Today, our featured guest is Nick Tannis, and our topic is holiness. I'll be holy someday, but not but today. Not today. Love it. Awesome. So, Nick, give us a quick uh, intro about yourself. Uh, what industry do you work in? Um, what's your business? What's your title? And then we'll get right into today's topic, okay? Sure. I am currently the principal of Christ the King Catholic School here in Whoa. South Tampa. All right. So you're in my studio right now, and I feel like I'm in the principal's office. Is that weird? <laughs> I think that, yeah, the office travels with me. <laughs> That's kind of cool, actually. What's even more unique is I actually went to Christ the King as a child. You did not. I did. So I... you're the principal of the school that you went to school in. Yes. Wow. My parents moved down here from Chicago in 86. I guess after the Bears won the Super Bowl, they knew it was all downhill from there. So <laughs> we moved to Tampa, and uh, they enrolled me in Catholic school there at Christ the King. And yeah. while I was there eating tater tots in the cafeteria, I never imagined that I'd be coming back to to be the principal there but all you wanted um, to do is get out of the school i'm sure absolutely just like any kid you know but it was actually uh monsignor toops who was the pastor there um before father len mm -hmm. who kind of drew me back in i was mm. you know graduated from ucf uh, started teaching language arts in the public school we had a mentor who said look you'd be a great administrator so i went got my degree in ed leadership was on the, the principal track and principal path in Hillsborough County. Mm -hmm. And during that whole time, the assistant principal job at Christ the King came up three different times. Whoa. And each time I was like, eh, I'm on this path. I'm already have this many years into public school. You know, I know it's the school I went to, it's my parish, but it just wasn't an option for me. And then eventually, you know, I wanted to find ways to connect with back with the church and get back to my parish community. Mm -hmm. So I became a lector actually contemplated becoming a deacon and talked to Father Toops about that. And he's like, look, you have a young family. I'm certain God's calling you to be to the family life. If you want to be a deacon 20 years from now, maybe that's the calling for you. It takes a lot of time. You need to be with your family. However, have you thought about using your gifts and talents in Mon a Catholic school? Monsignor Toops always has like that, that, little side conversation just waiting to happen, doesn't he? I think so. Like he's looking you in the eye, but he's just waiting for the side pitch. Right. And then he's like, okay, it, you'll come to it eventually. <laughs> and, you know, after that conversation, maybe a month afterwards, the assistant principal job came open again. Hmm. And so I talked it over with my wife because she was working at Christ the King as a kindergarten teacher at the time. So me being there would mean she couldn't. Why is that? Because the diocese has a policy, and it's it's a good one, that Husband and wife can't work if one is superior. In a, in a, uh, yes, um, supervisory role to the other, Ooh. which is great. Because, which makes sense. Yes, because she'd be the first one to say, I would come in and say, okay, staff, we're going to do this. And she'd be the first one to be like, oh, that's stupid. <laughs> so, so undermining And she'd probably be right. Correct. But she, <laughs> Let's do that yeah, privately. Yeah, she can't be right at home and at, and at work. You know, I've got to be right somewhere. <laughs> So they let you be right at the school. Yes. That's awesome. And what would you say, right? This isn't the topic, but I'm just curious. What would you say like was holding you back those three times from saying yes to that role that kept showing up to be principal of a Catholic school? Money. Okay. Uh, was a, a big part of it because I had already been on that, you know, I was 15 years in. To public school so that was 15 years of retirement savings 15 years of accumulated sick days that mm. i couldn't take with me 
and so public doesn't transfer over into it once i retire i would get it i'd get those days and that um those days back so yeah. someday so but uh, but it's not anything that would transfer over so i'd be starting fresh in the mm. diocese and and to be honest the pay scale is probably um a third less than than what it is in in a public, in a public school. school so uh, you know a big concern for me was you know my wife and i were considering having another child she mm -hmm. was going to stay at home so single income wasn't something that was looking like it was going to happen especially on an assistant principal payroll or pay scale at at a private school but you know we prayed about it and decided that god would just have to take care of us and what was that deciding did. factor that showed up for you guys when you prayed about like what pushed you to say yes what was that defining moment i don't know that there was any one particular moment where i can say okay boom like it's not like I was Paul riding on the road and God struck me down. Like it was just kind of a, an accumulation mm -hmm. of things in, in different areas where we both just decided, look, this is God's pushing in this direction. Let's just yeah. take, take the leap. He keeps knocking on the door. We might as well open it. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. and I think that's what it is. I think it's sometimes we look for these big God moments, but I, I think it's uh, really just a, we need to look for the little moments. Mm -hmm. It's it's kind of more of a gradual push than a shove. Yeah. That's kind of how God occurred in my life as well, was just this constant knocking on the door, and I just would refuse to open. And eventually the knocking <laughs> just got louder and louder and louder, and I'm just like, what? What do you want? Right? And that's what God wants. He wants us to hear the knock, right? And then open the darn door, people. Exactly. Right? And sometimes we get caught up in that. All right. So, Nick, I like to always start uh, each episode with this burning, burning question. Why do you think the world is not working right now? To be honest, and I say that even though whenever someone says to be honest, like I know in my head, okay, why are you saying that? Like if you're saying to be honest, why aren't you just honest in the first place? So. Let me scratch that. You literally just spoke what I was thinking, so thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and every other listener, right? So, go ahead. so I don't know that the world is any more broken today than it's ever been. That's an interesting perspective. Please expand. Well, I'm in a Bible study right now, mm -hmm. so we're starting with the book of Genesis. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you want to talk about broken world, God thought the world was so broken in those times, he flooded it. Mm -hmm. He wiped out all the creation and had to start over. He literally flushed the toilet. Correct. It was like, swirl, yep. swirl, swirl. Swirl, swirl, swirl. Yep. And even if you look at history, I mean, if you're the type that's thinking, okay, Book of Genesis, Old Testament, it's just their stories. Mm. Even if that's your thought, I mean, look at look at history and see how much strife, warfare, just unsettling mm. things that were happening in the world. I, mm. I think we are just as unsettled now as we were a thousand years ago. It's mm. probably compounded by the fact that our, we have there's more people, so more mm -hmm. people means more conflict. And, you know, I do think that constant social media, news, I mean, like, when I grew up, there, were, there wasn't 24-hour news service. Mm -hmm. there, there wasn't social media to document every single mistake that someone makes. On, in the planet, right? Happening across the planet. I think that's a great perspective that you're bringing up. It's like, first off, there's more people. 
right? So maybe, you know, in older days, it was like there was one big war. That was the bad news, right? Everyone was part of the war, right? And now it's like there's a war here, there's a war here, there's a famine here, there's a flood there, there's a disaster here, there's a shooting there, etc. And we're just like the world's boom, just falling apart left and right. And we're bombarded now with the news, right? So we can't get away from hearing these things, this negativity, negativity just forced on us. So that's an interesting perspective, and I hadn't thought about that, so I'm learning on this episode. Thank you for that. One of the other things that, and I'll, I'll try and tie this together, that I remember from one of my college professors, and I was a, like I said, I was a language arts teacher first, so I had a strong emphasis in, in literature through mm. through college, and when we were studying, I think it was Alexander Pope's Paradise Lost. Mm-hmm. No, that was John Milton. Milton was Paradise Lost. And... So we started talking about what was going on around those times. And this college professor kept saying, it's all about the Circus Maximus, all about the Circus Maximus. And I was watching Ben-Hur, the mm-hmm. remake with my, mm-hmm. with my older great son. Movie. Yep. And that's what it, it was. I mean, again, okay, Roman times, there was all this strife, struggle. They were trying to you know, assimilate people. And instead of having them think about what they were actually doing they had they used the circus maximus to kind of give them to feed their to feed their brains to feed them something that they didn't necessarily they didn't want them to think they wanted them to like to want blood sport mm. so i think about you know i talked this morning i'd give a monday message to our kids so i talked a little bit about that this morning how like right now in october if you're a sports fan you're in heaven because you have um you have the middle of college football you have the middle of the nfl you have baseball playoffs, hockey starting, basketball starting. If you're like a TV mm-hmm. junkie, fall premiere rolls out. So you have all of these things that occupy your time. Mm-hmm. And you they kind options. of help you escape yes. from from reality. And you don't focus on the problems of the world. And so then, and here's where I'm going to tie it back to how the world's broken. So. Mm-hmm. We almost so in a way we're almost apathetic to it mm-hmm. because we we are concerned with our circus maximus like we yeah. make time for sports and we'll talk sports but we don't we don't talk about our faith we don't talk about why the world is broken with our with our colleagues at work or mm-hmm. even sometimes with our our family members so I think part of the reason the world is as broken as it is right now is because we don't talk about the issues we watch them happen boom through social media we and watch them we happen complain and... about them correct yeah but we don't do anything we don't make time mm. for them to actually try and fix the so, problem yeah so what i'm hearing you say is the reason why we don't literally get on the court and out of the stands right and and get into the problems and start creating a world that works is because we're up in the stands just watching the show. We're in this state of constant distraction. Correct. Yeah, I get that. So that makes sense. So that's what this show is all about, is literally how do we create a world that works and, and speak about the unspeakable topics, right, that nobody's addressing. And that's what we're going to do today. You like that segue? I do. That was pretty good. I do. I, I think it's so. good. Okay, cool. So today we're talking about holiness. I'll be holy someday, but not today. Nick. I know listeners are listening right now and going, dude, that's me. Like, I'll be holy someday, but not today. And it's like, why do you think that resonates with us? First off, can you relate to that statement? Absolutely. Okay. 
what shows up for you personally in that statement? You know, I think it's the idea of what holiness is. Let's start there. I think that's great. How would you define holiness? I would define holiness as being in the presence of God. Okay. Could you break that down a little more? No. <laughs> but I'll try. I'm not a theologian. <laughs> that's okay. You're a principal. I'm a principal. Let's go. So. I think that's one rank below theology. <laughs> I think it is. Um, so I think holiness is, you know, if we look at God as as the target, mm. being holy is is offering up everything we're doing like we're in his presence. Okay. Uh, kind of to break it down, I'll go to, to parenting as yes. um you know there are certain ways, and I'll and, and even principling. <laughs> like I'm not, like I'm not as delusional to think that the way that the kids act when I'm standing around them is the way they act all the time. That's good. Um, so again, it's as not. A, <laughs> of course, and even as, as a parent, and then as a child who had mm-hmm. parents, like I acted differently around m- if my parents were standing in the room sometimes mm-hmm. than than if they weren't. Yes. So, to me. Although we, oh, they, although we all know as Catholics, okay, God's presence is everywhere, but it sometimes feels different when we're in church. Mm-hmm. We we have a little more of a connection to it. So so for me, holiness is a con- being in a constant state of reminding yourself that you are in God's presence and offering up the things that you're doing for God. Okay, so just so to clarify, what I'm hearing you say is that holiness is how I am acting if God was physically standing in front of me the same way that how I am acting when the principal's standing in front of me or my parents are standing in front of me. I'm on my best behavior, so to speak. Yes. Okay. That's my definition. Yeah. I don't know that that's everyone's No, it's a very interesting take. Because I think that, and I'll circle back around to this eventually, is because I do think that most people, the reason they have difficulty with holiness is because they think it's something, especially as Catholics, only something to be achieved by the saints. Yes. Or priests. Yeah. Or other religious. Yeah. It's like, hey, that's great for you. Congratulations. And, you know, my perspective is so different because at Christ the King, we are a Salesian school, hmm. meaning St. John Bosco, who founded Daughters of Mary Help of Christians— Salesian Sisters, uh, named after St. Francis de Sales. Mm -hmm. That's where you get the Salesian part, because sometimes people are like, okay, Don Bosco, why Salesian? I don't get it. Why aren't you Bosconians? Yeah. (laughs) Because he looked at the reason he chose St. Francis de Sales as as the role model for his congregation is because St. Francis de Sales and then John Bosco looked at being holy as doing the everyday, Mm. doing you know, offering up your work to God. You know, we may not all be capable of doing these huge holy deeds, like capital H holy, mm-hmm. but we're all capable of doing small things in the best best way possible. There was um, Mama, um, not Mama Margaret, but St. Mary Mazzarello was kind of the first mother superior of the Salesian Sisters. Okay. And there's a motto that she has that we have all over the school. So my definition for holiness kind of from Mary Mazzarello is 
do the right thing at the right time the best way possible for the love of God. Mm. I get that. So to break it down simply, that's holiness. That's difficult. That's really difficult, right? Because it's moment by moment. Correct. Yeah. So what is a... Where have you found success with that in your own life? <laughs> that's that's assuming that I've ha- I've been successful with it. <laughs> I am very it is broken it is bro. broken Catholic, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, right? And and it's okay, right, that we're not hitting the mark every moment. Isn't it? Correct. Yeah. And I think if you so I, when I look at it, it's I mean again, if you're thinking about life coaches, workout goals, stuff like that, like you people that are successful in achieving those goals break them down into smaller goals mm. and they try and reach smaller, smaller targets. So mm-hmm. where I failed in my holiness, um, just like anyone else who's failed in keeping a new year's resolution is you keep looking like you keep looking for the big, mm-hmm. you know, the big finish or the big, um, the big change. Yeah. And so you forget about the little, Yes. Simple things. I mean, something as simple as I'm sitting here right now talking to you and it's being present in this moment mm-hmm. and trying to think, what can I say? What can I do to help people reach God? Not thinking about, you know, what do I have to do when this mm-hmm. time's up? What's coming up next? And and that's hard. Yeah. As I would say, as humans, is to do that because we are, back to our initial topic, because we are constantly bombarded yeah. by the distractions. Exactly, right? So I love that you just tied in literally us recording this show is an opportunity, a moment that we can literally give to God for his will. It's like, Lord, and you and I, we prayed before the show. Lord, give us the words that you know that your children need to hear on the other side of this you know, radio show. And what do they need in their life? And to be fully present, to be servants and vessels and not get in the way. Um, And to me, if you ask me, what is holiness, I would say uh, literally surrendering life, your life, right? Pretty much what I mean by that is my plans, my schemes, my hopes, my dreams, literally giving them all to the Lord. Not easy. And yes, my brain, my mind constantly wants to take it back, right? So I may have that momentous one event where I go, Lord, take my life. Yes. And I'm feeling all those feelings, warm and fuzzies. I feel the Holy Spirit. And it's it's just like, bam, I remember that. And then the next moment I'm back into my human brokenness. Like, you know what? I really don't want to right now. This is about me. I want to do that. So I'm going to do it anyway. What shows up for you in that? I think that's to the second part of that, the question Holiness is for holiness is for me, but not today. Yeah. It is difficult to be of the world mm. and also thinking about heaven. Mm-hmm. Because I think people struggle with, like you said, okay, surrendering your schemes, your dreams, your hopes, your wishes. Then people say, Well, okay, well then how do I feed my family? Mm-hmm. You know, how do I surrender everything to God and then put food on the table mm-hmm. you know how do i pay my mortgage and I, I think i think that's where the holiness of the everyday comes in mm. and you have to look at yes you know god wants you to pay your mortgage <laughs> he doesn't want you to 
have your home foreclosed on. He right. wants your family to be fed, but you have to do it in a way that's in line with your values, your beliefs, and with, with him. Like, he wants you to pay a mortgage, but not by cheating somebody else mm-hmm. or not by, you know, swindling somebody or stealing money. Like, he, want, he wants you to pay a mortgage in a just way. Yeah. And by doing it in a way that, that glorifies him. So I, that's where I feel like it's easier to to achieve holiness when you think of it that way. It's how it's what am I doing in my everyday life and work to bring God's message to other people, to let people look at me and say, that's somebody who's on fire for the Lord. Mm. That's somebody I want to be like. Mm. You know, when people look at you and what you do, how does that bring them closer to God? I love that you went there. So who in your life personally, Nick, shows up for you as someone that was living a holy life? And as growing up, my mom, back to kind of my childhood, you know, I was going to to, to Christ the King, but my mom also worked there. She was mm. first the cafeteria worker, um, then managed the cafeteria, and then she ended up working for... Um, as the secretary for the pastor at the time, this Monsignor Balthazar. And, what uh, a great name. <laughs> <laughs> one of the three kings, I think right? Was, I think he was one of the three kings. Dang. <laughs> you had a king at your school. Go ahead. <laughs> and, and so a lot of my, a lot of the examples of holiness I had growing up were, were some of the priests. Mm-hmm. And, you know, particularly there was this, um, this one priest, uh, Father Ron Poirier, who he's he passed away and he actually went in and out of the priesthood several times got it so he had some human falls some brokenness in he his was. own vocation and and realized that you know the priestly vocation wasn't for him mm. you know he left the priesthood then um came back in long enough to marry <laughs> me and my wife oh and, got then, it. <laughs> and then he left the priesthood um again and then he eventually got married and wow you know um that's a whole different topic. <laughs> yeah, that's not a topic yeah. for today's show. But <laughs> that just raises so many questions for me. But, but whatever he did, and I think, and in, in one of the things that stood out at at his funeral is he was a guy who would drop everything at a moment's notice to help somebody out in need. Hmm. So, I think it's a good example. Was a good example for me that you don't have to wear a collar to be holy. Hmm. Like his way of being holy was it being in service to other people. Hmm. And so growing up, he was an important example for me to see how, how you act and how you treat other people. Mm. You know, and of course, I mean, I think the, the default answer most people say is their parents. And, and of course, my parents were, but when you're an impressionable adolescent middle school, you need someone that's not your parents. Correct. To be able to show you that. And, and he was a person that, that was able to do that for me. That's so cool. Yeah, I get that. So being a servant to others, right? Really difficult because again, we're wired to be self-centered. We have that hell-bent tendency, I like to call it, right? It's me, myself, and I, Y-O-U, your own universe, right? We're all walking around in our own little bubbles of and making ourselves our own God. And it's all about us. And to look outside of that and to see another person and then to kind of squash our universe and put them first really difficult in the everyday moment by moment um how does 
uh, that priest example show up for you in your life now as an adult, as a father, as a husband, as a principal of a school? It's trying to remember to put others first and while also taking care of yourself. Mm. Because if you continuously put others first and you don't take care of your own needs, mm. you, you can't help other people. All right. So that's a very common right argument, and it's somewhat cl cliche, and I'm not going for it or against it. I'm just raising it, right? Then you look at someone like Mother Teresa, who many people would say, hey, that's a modern-day holy, holy person, right? A saint. And she literally put others before her own needs all the time. And that was a life of holiness. So how do we look at the cliche and then we look at the definition of holiness? How do we weigh those two together? Where's the, where's the balance? Where's the middle that shows up in our lives, right? How do I attach my life to that, in your opinion? And I waited for you to grab some water just as I asked that question. So, <laughs> I think it's taking time, and it's actually maybe not take. It is literally taking time to pray, mm. and you know I don't mean that you have to be selfish at times in order to be a better selfless person, but I would argue that even Mother Teresa probably took time to pray and do that on her own by herself. You look at look at the Bible and you look at times um, in Jesus's ministry when things were a little chaotic and a little crazy. He's like, I'm going to get advice right. from dad. I need some coaching. Right. I need my coaching and, call. Yeah, I would say, and Jesus went off and prayed. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's in being, in, when you're in that service to others, you still have to make time for your own time with God. And I think that's, one of the things that I, I like to say is sometimes, especially when you work in a Catholic school or, or in a parish kind of environment, is you get up, you get caught up in working for the Lord mm. and not doing the Lord's work. Whoa. Did it break that down? Distinguish the, the difference there, because that's important, I think. Um, and I'll give a very plain example. It's yeah. like every Wednesday we have school mass. During school mass... Um, I'm in the back. I'm kind of checking on the kids, making sure that the kids are, are doing the right thing and make sure that logistically things are flowing the way they are, making mm -hmm. sure, okay, if kids go to the bathroom, he's coming back and there's mm -hmm. not, you know, any bad guys, so to speak. Because, I mean, mm -hmm. we are an open campus sure. uh, during the, the church time. But then I'll use that excuse later on if I'm, if I'm, uh, if I'm running late and I don't want to go visit the chapel. I'm like, oh, I went to Mass today. Like, that's not mass. <laughs> that I was working for the Lord, mm -hmm. and I was doing his work, but I wasn't I wasn't getting anything out of it yeah, you spiritually because that. I was working. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like when you are in some of those situations, you, you know, you don't necessarily put the effort into having a relationship with God because you feel like, oh, I'm good because I'm, I'm, I'm already I'm already doing the work. I'm, I'm already there. So that's that's what I mean. I get that, right? And I think for if you're listening right now, we're speaking with uh, Nick Tannis, who's the principal of a Catholic, um, what is that, middle school? We are EC4 through eighth grade. So we have Got an it. elementary and a middle. 
Got it. And we're talking about holiness, right? I'll be holy someday, but not today. And just this natural human resistance in all of us to holiness. And at the same time, there's this natural attraction to holiness as well, right? Because God put that in our heart, right? This desire to be with him, our creator, right? I call it the thumbprint, <laughs> right? God put a thumbprint in each human heart that only he can access. And until we allow him that access, we never feel completely fulfilled. And we go through life searching for material things and pleasures to fill that heart and that Absolutely. happiness. So, well, what do you want to do with it? I want to be happy. You know, and it's like, no, you actually want God. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you just don't know how to say it. But, uh, you know, being holiness, but it's always like someday holiness. It's not a everyday holiness. And I think that's really what you're breaking down for us right now, Nick, is that holiness is every day. It's not someday. And and really, okay, how do we take that from the stands and bring it down on the court, which I like to say often is, you know, what does that look like? And I think you brought up something very important, spending time with the Lord, spending time with the Lord. It's like, listen, you could be in an industry right now where you're a volunteer worker, uh, you're in a nonprofit, um, you're doing, you know, Christian, you're at a Christian school, you're at a, you work at a Christian church, maybe you're the pastor of a church, maybe you're a priest, and you're caught up in the day-to-day -day work, but are you going to the source? Are you constantly re replenishing yourself, right? Spending time with the Lord. Yeah, you may serve at Mass and help and do the work at Mass, right? Or at worship, and but but you're you're more in your head than in your heart in those moments, right? You're looking at okay, is everybody taken care of? You know, I got to get through this. We got to take them to the next thing. You're very uh, structured and procedural, and what God desires is your heart to sit down and just be in his presence so that he can love on you, and that's not easy, right? And that's really what you're wanting to teach the kids to do, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah, so like you're teaching them, hey, we're at Mass, be present with the Lord, but it's really tough for you to do that because you're watching them and trying to help them and assist them with that. What's showing up? And that, and that's that's the that's the key point is, then you have to make yourself take some of that time, and you know we're not talking about you know hours and hours. It's you know take five minutes, mm -hmm. go sit in the chapel, mm -hmm. or if you don't have it, you know I, I'm very fortunate. I have a chapel right across from, from where I work. <laughs> it's you know a hundred feet away, but you know you don't have to necessarily. Any place you can make any place a sacred space, hmm. and so if you you know if you work in an office, if you work somewhere where there's there's not a chapel, you you know you need to find a place where you can take five minutes and and just be with God. Yeah. And you know when you're going through those struggles and you're trying to make those big decisions, it's just pausing for a few moments and just I mean, you ask it out loud. God, yeah. show me what to do. God. What's your will for me? Hmm. And, you know, you or I are never going to be Mother Teresa. Well, hopefully not. I mean. <laughs> so, and I, I think that goes back, again, to the daily holiness. Is like if, if that's if that's what we're all, if that's what you're, we all want to aspire to be that, but if that's what we think the only path to holiness is, people, that's why they put it off. They say, well, not today. Mm -hmm. I, can, I can be like that tomorrow. And, you know, my... My argument against that is, no, we can all be holy 
every day. We just have to do it one moment at a time in, yeah. in small, manageable chunks. I get that, right? And so as Catholics, we believe that we're called to be saints, right? And many Christians believe that as well. It's just different terminology. But there's this call to holiness with every human person, and I think we forget that sometimes. And you're raising a really good point. We look at like a Mother Teresa or some holy person, we're like, whoa, you know, she was like in gutters in India, like rescuing people from filth and, and starvation and everything. It's like, I work in a school, in an affluent school in South Tampa. It's like, there's no comparison there, right? So how am I meant to be holy? And, and, and I think that's very important first is to get that God calls each of us to be holy. So wherever you are in your life as you're listening to the show, God is calling you to live a holy life. And that means a life that is in service to him and to others. And to eventually be with him, right, in the in heaven. And it's difficult because we're in the here and now. And we're constantly distracted as Nick you know, brings up, it's like by all the worldly distractions. And it's difficult for us to really be present to God's presence in our life on a moment by moment basis. However, Nick brings up another great point, which is to stop where you are and to ask God for help, to stop where you are and to sit with God and just say, hey, God, it's a great day. You know, thank you for these blessings. This is awesome. And maybe that's your prayer. And, and just literally take that pause throughout the day so that you're giving the day back to God constantly, you know, and just letting him allow, uh, you know, allowing him to work. You're giving him access, right? We were talking about this. He's constantly knocking on the door of our heart, and we resist. We, I know in my own life I've resisted, resisted, resisted. And sometimes if we're really stubborn like I am, he'll come with like a two by four and just like, <laughs> like bang. Why? Because he loves us that much. And he's literally standing for us, uh, having an abundant life. And he knows that we can only have an abundant life with him. What's showing up? You know, one of the things you said about, I'm going to go back to Mother Teresa, is, and kind of back to what you're saying, what's showing up in your life. You know, we, we're not all going to go work in with the impoverished and in the gutters of, of Calcutta. And, and one of the things that she said, and I'm totally paraphrasing her, was that, you know, we can't all do great things, but we can do small things with great love. Mm. So for everyone out there, what are some of those things in your own life that you can do with great love? Mm. You know, you talked about Christ the King. You know, are there many students that are physically impoverished? No. Mm. You know, and I talked about this with one of my former, uh, the, the principal who was a Salesian sister when I was there, Sister Joanne, and, and she said, and I asked her that same question. I said, you know, the, the mission of the Salesians, it's, it's to work with the young and the poor. You know, you look at Christ the King, there's not a lot of, there's a lot of young, there's, there's not a lot of poor. You know, and she said, you know, poverty shows up in a couple of different ways. It's not just physical poverty. Mm those there's also spiritual poverty yeah and sometimes those that are more those that are less impoverished physically are more impoverished spiritually so i get that when i look at okay so what can i do you know it in my role it's not providing meals for the students that are there because they're getting meals at home it's not providing clothes as like might be the challenge at some schools Mm. you know my challenge is 
you know, I have students who will grow up and have means to help the impoverished. Mm. So it's to implant within them the idea that the way that they can be holy and the way that they can be saints is to do those small things mm. for God, for their for their neighbor. I like what you're saying there, right? It's like, even though you're working in an affluent school, uh, the kids may be starving spiritually, right? Starving for God. Um, and you're able to bring that nourishment um, to each of your students, right? And and I really like what you, you brought up, that paraphrase quote of Mother Teresa. It's, do the small things with love, with great love. And that's, in my uh, understanding, that's holiness, right? Do small things in the great love of God and tying God into that, right? And showing up in that. So, you know, again, and I really want to emphasize this on this show, is that we are each called to holiness. There is no escaping that. You're called to holiness whether you want to or not. It's it's indelibly printed on your heart, this call to holiness. Will you step into it is the question, or will you keep living a self-centered life? And listen, I'm not making you wrong, right? I'm just saying, how's that working for you? <laughs> Are you asking me or <laughs> stating it to me? <laughs> no, I'm speaking to the <laughs> listener right now, right? Is How's that working for you? Is there an area of your life that's not working? Right? Is there, uh, maybe you feel, hey, my life is working, but it's not great. Okay, great. That's like, that's an area to kind of like take on and say, Lord, I want an abundant life. Like when people ask you, hey, how's, how you doing? You're like, oh, I'm fine. Well, how's your day? Oh, I'm fine. How's your life? Oh, it's fine. How's your marriage? Oh, it's fine. Listen, God didn't call you to have a fine life. He didn't. He called you to have an abundant life. And abundance shows up in giving. In, in contributing to others and to the world. And the more you give, the more you receive. And that's God's promise to us. And it's doing those small things with love. And it's difficult, right? We get it. It's darn difficult. And I'm like, I'm speaking firsthand to myself, you know? It's <laughs> like, Nick, you brought me in to speak to 7th and 8th graders this past Monday. It was about six, seven hours of my life that I'll never get back, right? But hopefully it's you gave infinitely more back to them. Yeah, and I want to just speak on that for a second because it was six 44-minute classes back-to-back with a lunch break. That was difficult as heck for me, right? And it was exhausting, right? Emotionally exhausting because I'm, I'm, I'm giving, giving, giving. However, I did it with love, and I literally, before I went in, I was like, God, this is totally for you because I literally do not want to do this right now. And whatever you want to work in these kids let me just be present to that, right? Give me the words that they need to hear because I have no clue what's going on in their lives. And I showed up with that. And that's enough for God. It's just that access. And I'm not making myself look good right now. I'm just saying I was looking bad, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, mean, I, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to be holy in that moment. I didn't want to serve those kids just to be in my human brokenness, my self-centeredness. I would rather be doing Joseph stuff. Right, but I showed up and did it anyway. And it was an amazing experience. And you know this, right? It's like forty-eight students wrote me handwritten letters about what God spoke to them in their life through my talk to them. And some of the stuff the things that they wrote were just really powerful. And I literally read one at a time, forty-eight notes, and I was just overwhelmed. And I took a pause, and literally my eyes 
welled up and I, I was crying and I, I don't cry often. I'm very alpha male. I won't tell the kids that. That's okay. Whatever. Tell the kids. I don't <laughs> care. Right. But it's like, I was choked up because I could see it had nothing to do with me. It had to do everything to do with what God wanted to say to those kids. And that wouldn't have happened had I not stepped into to serve and to speak his words of truth and love into them. And man, he does the rest. And that's what he asks of us. Will you love others so that he has access to their hearts? Will you show up when you don't want to show up? Will you serve when you don't want to serve when you'd rather go serve yourself? To me, that's moment by moment holiness, right? And I'm a broken mess, bro. <laughs> I really am. And it's like today, I don't want to serve anybody. Just straight up, I don't. Like, I didn't want to come in and do this podcast, and I like you, Nick. That's right. <laughs> That's hurtful. <laughs> but the point is, right, it's early morning. I'm kind of like, ah, oh, right? And we just show up and we serve. Um, what's showing up for you in your, your own life, Nick, with some of my brokenness? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that for a lot of people, I mean, myself included, it service is a pretty good path on your holiness jersey a journey i get that it could be a jersey maybe because we're talking about sports so sports bro (laughs) but um you know as you were saying god wants us to live abundantly and he's ready he's ready to meet you where you are i mean there are you know next week we have a at the church a mission trip going to haiti a medical mission trip so Mm. you know you've got some people that that's they're called to do that they're they're ready to go into the the trenches and and work with people that don't have medical access in our sister parish in St. Suzanne, Haiti, and they're called to do that. Some people, they're, that's, not their, that's not their gift. So it's, it's through serving others, I think, that can kind of be like a, a gateway drug to holiness. <laughs> and it's, you did not just present it that way, did you? <laughs> I think people know what I'm talking about. I mean, it gives you, it gives you, 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 you serve others, and then very f- selfishly fit you get a little you feel good about yourself and that's god working through you and if that's what it takes for you to to reach the next level of of holiness that that that's doing small things with great love last year this was kind of one of our themes to the kids and it was it starts with a smile something that easy you know Mm -hmm. you don't even have to do anything very difficult except for when you're walking by somebody just smile at them say hello (laughs) you know if you're it it might be the only smile that person gets all day Mm -hmm. and that's a, that's a really simple thing anybody can do, and it it starts you on that path to to holiness. I mean, just a, a very simple thing. And, and yeah. like you said, once you once you open that door, God will come in, and mm-hmm. he'll he'll work through you. And you know, like you said, you didn't want to come in to the class, and you didn't really know how the Lord was going to work in you or work through you, and you took that. You know, you took that leap. That's what faith is. Mm. You don't know. You don't know what the Lord's going to do, but you do it anyway. Yeah. And even if it scares you, even if you don't want to do it, right? Especially because it scares you. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, that's what I'm learning, Nick. And it's my very simple brain and my simple understanding of holiness and what God calls, you know, on me is just saying yes. Just say yes um, to the things that He's putting on me. Just say yes to the things that God's putting on you in your life. Just say yes. And that doesn't mean you know how, right? And that's a very important thing to distinguish because I used to always get stopped 
well, I don't know how, so I can't say yes to the first step unless I know the second, third, and, and 22nd step. And that's not what God asks. God literally asks, say yes to the first step. He's got the rest. And he just wants that access of our heart, right? And they use that um, example, that metaphor of, you know, God shows you his will in your life um, similar to you driving down a dark road in the mountains. And all you can see is as far as the headlights shine and the rest is darkness. And we as Christians, as believers, always want to see miles ahead. We want to see what it all looks like. And we literally, it's like we go through our life with our foot on the brake. Until I could see it all, I don't step on the accelerator. I don't drive forward. And God says, hey, trust me. I'm the pilot. I got this, right? And he gives us the next step, which is as far as the headlights show on the road. And we just have to trust that as we take that one step, he'll, then we'll see the next step. As we take that next step, he'll show us the next step. And it just happens. And it's actually an adventure is what I find. Life just shows up powerfully and magically when you just step into the unknown with God. Did you come up with that driving analogy all on your own? Or did I you, did not. Or did you find that somewhere? I found that somewhere. Do you, yeah. want to give, do you want to give credit to the source? I don't remember the source, but where, whatever the source is, I give credit to you. Because, because it's great. I mean, it's it's a very good analogy to it, to holiness and, and the, the problem we talked about earlier of, you know, people think that, okay, surrendering to God's will is just, okay, God, do it. And that's not how it works. Yeah, like, Jesus, take the wheel, right? Right. Like, you, ha- yeah. you have to do some of the work. Mm-hmm. Like, God's like the headlights. He's going to show you where to go but you got to put your hands on the wheel you got to put your foot on the gas you got to move and and you have to do something but god's going to show you the way you can't just sit there on cruise control so yeah source credit whoever you are i'm going to be borrowing that analogy also so (laughs) thank you yeah maybe you can articulate better than i did but yeah share that with the kids right that's like because it helps them kids are visual man like Mm -hmm. you got to give them the pictures and uh yeah, so hopefully that helps you as you're listening to this right now. There's a reason and Jesus told stories. Absolutely, dude. I really want to get better at storytelling. That's something I want to get. Okay, so the someday, man. The someday. Like, Nick, if you had to break it down for one of our listeners and they're like, why do I want to be holy? You would say to them what? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but I would. It's almost, why not? If you don't want to be holy, why not? Why don't you want to be holy? Like, what do I get out of being holy? I'm going to be the antagonist right now because you're a literature individual. <laughs> so I'm the antagonist. Why do I want to be holy, in your opinion? I'm putting you on the spot, totally. That's okay. Okay, cool. Because you don't know how full your life can be. If you are holy, Mm. even if you think that the world you live in now, your your own self-centered world is is working for you. You don't know the joy that awaits you when you live a life of holiness. Mm. And I'm not saying that as a person who's (laughs) who's living a life of of holiness day to day, minute by minute, but. But the little the little pieces that you experience are enough to keep you going. I'll use another 
analogy for any of uh, the golfers out there. You know, again, you, I, I wouldn't say that I play golf. <laughs> I say that I go out on a drive and hit, <laughs> I hit balls in between driving a golf cart around. <laughs> but it's, you know, you get those one or two great shots that you put together mm. that keep you going back out mm. to the golf course. And it's the same kind of thing with holiness. It's, you know, again, I don't, I'm broken just mm-hmm. like you, you know, I'm not here as an expert, as a holy person. I'm here as a person that's struggling just like everybody else. We're foot soldiers. We're on the ground doing it. But the little taste you get, yeah, it keeps you, keeps you going. Yeah. I get that brother. And I think you broke that down really well. It's like, listen, you don't need to be holy, right? The call is put on your heart by your, your father in heaven, each of us, but you don't need to be holy. However, it's a gift. Holiness is a gift, and God wants to give you an abundant life like Nick's saying right now. And you don't even know what that looks like, and, and we get that, right? But it looks so much more than what you have. That's for sure. And when you look at uh, you know people all throughout history we call the saints, um, their lives were magical. And that doesn't mean it was without struggle. Their lives normally had more struggle, right? Absolutely. Right? With holiness— um, with that great reward and that grace of holiness comes great struggle and great sacrifice, but it also is filled with great love. And that's how these people, these holy people, you know, were called to push through the struggles, right? And God gave them like superpowers. Like if you're into like uh, Marvel comics and all that stuff, which I am, it's like God wants to give you superpowers so in you, your are life. Are you Marvel or DC? Uh, I'm going to go with Marvel right now. But anyway, that's a different show. <laughs> but, um, you know, God wants to give you superpowers in your life. He doesn't want you living a life of mediocrity. He just doesn't. Which is why you have to be tested. You have to be tested by fire. And, and that's the thing. And, and we want to run away from test and fire. You know, I have this uh, one of uh, these students I gave a talk to um, at St. Paul's Catholic Church uh, homeschool group. And uh, after the talk... This young man took on um, a 30-day holy hour challenge I gave him to spend an hour a day in front of the Eucharist with his creator. And he just completed day 30 yesterday, and he's been messaging me, right? And he's like 17 years old. And I said, hey, FYI, um, you just completed. You kept your word. You're of integrity. God is so pleased with you right now. I'd like to also say that biblically— 40 is the number of testing in the Bible. Would you be willing to take on another 10 days to really see what God has for you and what he wants to give you in your life? And he was all about it. He's like, absolutely, I want to keep going. I want to keep going. And you know what? This this young man is going to have a massive breakthrough. And God's going to give him his identity. He's going to give him his destiny and what assignments he has for his life. And I'm so happy for this man because he's going to have a total transformation. God's going to do it. Because he's literally, he gave God the last 30 days of his life, an hour a day. That's at 17 years old. For a 17-year-old to find an hour, make an hour in his day, is freaking fantastic. I and it's great that. that you were there to to kind of push him a little bit, too. So I think, as we talk, you know, as we're still talking about holiness, if you're struggling with that, and if you're you're trying to do it day by day, it's, it's finding somebody to help keep you accountable. Well said. You know, we talk about that a lot, and it's finding a holiness partner and, and having somebody to push you. 
um, you know, this the Bible study that I'm doing right now, one of the only reasons I keep doing the readings initially is because there's two other guys that keep texting me saying, hey, I read this reading, what'd you think? Like, so, I mean, it's, and I'm totally honest, again, it's, yeah. if it wasn't for having that accountability from somebody else checking in on me, yeah. I would easily let it go because I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a broken person just like everybody else. And Brother, I get it. And I'm so glad you brought that up. And, um, you know, it's like even that young man, he told me, hey, by the way, from your talk, um, we started a Facebook accountability group for this 30-day holy hour challenge. They even named it, right, which is hilarious to me. Um, and he's like, there's four of us and possibly two more that are taking on the challenge to hold each other accountable to go through the 30 days to see what God has in store for us and for our lives. And they're holding themselves accountable. That's fantastic. They're setting themselves up for success. So we're going to wrap up the show here, Nick, um, just because we're pressed for time, but we could keep going, and I really enjoy this conversation right yeah, that's, now. That's good. However, Nick, we're about to enter the confession round. Uh-oh. Are you ready? You didn't tell me about this round before, no, I didn't. before I came on the show. Yeah, yeah. There's no priest here, so it's not like an actual confession, right? So, But I'm going to ask you 12 quick-fire questions, and you'll have three seconds to answer each. So don't overthink it. Just say the first thing that comes to you. Are you ready, sir? Yes. Blurring the first thing that comes out of my yes. into my head and out this of my mouth good has never worked out for me in the past. <laughs> it's kind of fun and lighthearted. I won't be ad- I won't be advising my parents to listen to this. Gotcha, Nick. What's your favorite thing about being an adult? Not having a bedtime. <laughs> what's your least favorite thing about being an adult? Carefree days. Yeah. What secret fear do you have about people? That they won't accept me. Got it. If you could be anyone, just for fun, for the next seven days, anyone on the planet, who would you be? Real or imaginary? Yeah, sure. Mm. Like we said comics, so I would totally be Superman. Why? Real quick. As a principal, it'd be very helpful to have extra vision and get from place to place in less than a second man those kids wouldn't stand a chance like (laughs) my son and i had this conversation like would you rather be able to fly or teleport yeah and i would totally take teleportation but i get it superman will get there faster i get it what do you wish you were better at holding myself accountable got it what dream are you scared of pursuing still like to become a deacon Ooh, cool what makes you smile more than anything my family when See, that one was easy family yeah, if you're listening that. got that one without even like thinking about it check <laughs> when you were a child what did you want to be when you grew up i wanted to be a policeman yeah and you're a principal now which is <laughs> fairly close i wanted to be i wanted to be a Policeman, a lawyer, or a psychologist. And, and you now it's a principal get to be all three. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. If you had the power to remove any one form of suffering from the world, what would it be? Loneliness. Imagine sometime in the distant future, and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it. Here lies Nick Tanis. He made the world a better place. 
That's it. Period. Got Period. It. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if if it, it, if like it, if, if it says that on my tombstone, I'm good. Awesome. You're great. When you die, what would you like to hear God say when you walk through the pearly gates? Proud of you. Proud of you. Boy. Love it. That a boy. That a boy. And last question, Nick. If you could come back to life after you died and tell your family and friends only one piece of advice, what would you say to them? Keep going and keep with God. Love it. Nick, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you? They can contact me through email. Okay. It's ntanis at cks-school.org. Got it. Awesome. Nick, thanks for joining us on the show today, and we wish you the love, forgiveness, and transformation of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Cheers. <laughs> 